Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The parable of the story, it's intended to teach this lesson. And what it says is the unjust judge, he responds because someone bugged him. How much more will the one true God, who is loving, who cares for you, who cares for me, will he answer their prayer requests? So the judge reluctantly answers the woman, but God loves to answer our requests. It's fun to get what you want, isn't it? To have your heart set on something and be able to buy it or have someone gift it to you is very pleasing. On the other hand, being denied your desire is a tough learning experience. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the importance of prayer. You'll be reminded how much God loves you, wants the best for you, and wants you to pray to Him so that He can answer your prayers. You'll learn about the things God wants from you so that your prayers line up with His will. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Luke chapter 18 as he continues his message, Persistent Prayer. This article was all about prayer, and it says, Study hopes to determine whether prayer can heal from afar. The whole article goes on. They're doing this study from thousands of miles. Somebody's 3,000 miles away. They're praying for these individuals in a hospital in San Francisco, and I won't go into all the details. But one of the headlines says, Well, it's kind of a shaky thing because... Really, it's mind over matter. If somebody knows they're being prayed for, then they just kind of get better because they know they're getting prayed for. It's just mind over matter. And I like the scientists. Listen to this. This is classic since we're hearing all kinds about organisms and microbes today. It says this. Critics often complain that if you see positive results in humans, in hospitals and so forth, it is because of positive thinking or the placebo effect said uh, Larry Dorsey, a retired internist in Santa Fe, New Mexico. But he says, let me tell you, microbes don't think positively, and they're not subject to the placebo effect. I love it. You know, the stuff causing the infection, the microbes are going, let's just think positive. No infection today. No infection today. Well, it doesn't work like that. So praise God, when they're healed, they're healed, because it's a spiritual principle. Amen? So uh, I thought... Classic. I love it. In Luke 18, story you're probably familiar with if you've read through the Bible, Jesus gives us a parable. And there's lots of things about parables, but this parable specifically, you have to remember, you don't try to analyze down to the minute detail. You look for the principle that's there. And we have the principle in verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable. To show them, here's the answer, 
that they should always pray and not give up. The New Living Translation says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must simply never give up. So always praying and not giving up involves one thing. Just by verse 18 in your Bible, write this word, faith. You see, it's not a matter of praying. Now lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. That's a robot prayer that has no faith connected with it, usually. Unless you're afraid of the dark or whatever, then you'd probably have some faith with it. And we have to be careful. Many of you read Beth Moore's book, Believing God. And I know a number of you ladies, my wife included, and Sharon are teaching a Bible study and the ladies thing on believing God. And remember, her premise is this. While we believe in God, but we don't believe God. You say, well, Pastor Mike, I'm praying. Well, I had to challenge myself, and I do this constantly now because I've read the book. Am I praying in faith, or am I just praying? There's a huge difference. Just praying, or I'm actually mixing it with faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So Jesus isn't talking about just praying, to be praying. He's talking that prayer that has faith, that believes that God can do something. It's not this religious exercise separate from faith. By the way, Christians are to live by faith and pray with faith. Jesus says this, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said something very important. According to your faith, will it be done to you? According to your faith, will it be done to you? In other words, he said, Well, do you believe I can do this? And they said, well, sure. Sometimes we're like that, but then we're kind of like in James chapter 1, sure. But I'm not really sure. That's the unstable man. And the unstable man, it says, will receive nothing from the Lord. So when these two blind men come, they prayed, God, I know you can do it. And unanswered prayer, if we're not careful, unanswered prayer causes our faith to weaken. But God is always able to do anything. And as you see, as we'll move toward this passage of Scripture, sometimes in the stuff we see in our world, and it's going to get worse, I'll talk about that right at the end, when we see things getting worse, we kind of go like, wow, where is God in all this? Is God really responsible? Is He hearing? Is He whatever? Just a couple illustrations for you. The American Atheist Organization got this off the web. says President Bush should stop urging prayer for Hurricane Katrina victim because it violates the Constitution. <laughs> Ellen Johnson, president of the group, said Louisiana Governor Kathleen Blanco and Bush should not be violating the Constitution by telling people to pray for the victims of Hurricane Katrina. It's unconstitutional for the government officials to be promoting religions. And beside... Judging from the speed of some relief efforts, officials should be busy working instead of preaching. 
We're getting reports of how some religious-based aid groups are trying to fly evangelists into stricken areas and how the U.S. Army chaplains are carrying Bibles, not food or water, to comfort people at the New Orleans Superdome. People need material aid, medical aid, economic support, not prayers and preaching. Now, they do need medical support. They do need water. They do need food. But I remember Jesus said something about this once. Man does not live by... Hmm. It goes on. Dave Silverman, communications director for the American Atheists, went even further, blaming God for taking thousands of lives, both in the Asian tsunami and again in the Gulf Coast. It appears that despite all our outbursts of public vigilosity and prayer, God once again was asleep at the wheel. I wouldn't want to be standing close to him too often, because <laughs> once in a while, God does give a little bolt of wrath. Only... <laughs> You remember Lot's wife, the Bible says, remember, don't you? Only human beings can deal with calamities of the natural world. Well, that's correct. But we don't live in a natural world. This is a spiritual world. And God doesn't seem to be much help when it comes to rushing food, water, or antibiotics when people are suffering. Well, I beg to differ. He's big help. We already heard it. People have been ministering all over the place. And I'll share some things with you. Rick Warren was on. I don't know whether you watched it on CNN. But he was on with Dr. Phil and then one of the medical people, and it was very good. On that program, you had the medical, you had Dr. Phil, which is kind of the emotional thing, and you had Rick Warren, the purpose-driven life pastor, who is the spiritual. That's who we are. And you need all of the elements to minister. I was so proud of what he said and how he ministered. So what I want to say to you is when we're in difficult times of testing and when things look kind of bad like they are now and lots of things and we can't explain everything, you have to be careful that your faith isn't weakened. God's still on the throne. Everything is totally in his control. No, we don't understand it. Understand that God didn't cause this. So God is coming back to take Christians to heaven. That's going to happen. God's going to judge the world one day. All that's going to happen. Now, look back at verse 2. And he said, Jesus said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. Kind of like from America, whatever. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. Now, as you remember, women in biblical days... They're basically defenseless and powerless. Widows, even more so. So, a couple of things are very important. Jesus said we should pray, and we should continue praying. Well, to pray, you have to have a need, and that's just praise. This woman had a need. She acknowledged her need. When you pray and keep praying, bring the need back to God. It's June, or it's the situation here, or it's the thing at work, or it's whatever. Bring the needs specifically bring it to God again in room. Yes, he knows already before, but it helps you put it into words again. So prayer is simply acknowledging our need of God. Now, the word kept coming in the original language that you see in verse 3 means continual, persistent, on a regular basis. Now, for some time, verse 4, he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men. Isn't that a great thing for somebody to say? Well, this is a parable of contrast, so you'll understand it. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. 
so she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Now, really, in the original language, you don't have the whole picture of it, but in the original language, many of those words are like a boxing match. And what the judge is really saying, so she won't beat me to a pulp or blacken my eye constantly. I'm going to give in to her. I'm tired of being bugged by this woman. She's annoying me. And so this is an ungodly and an uncaring judge that answers the woman's request for one reason only, because she's bugging him. And the Lord said in verse 6, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God, different than the judge now, bring about justice for his chosen ones, one who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? So what he means is the real meaning of this story, the parable of the story. It's intended to teach this lesson. And what it says is the unjust judge, he responds because someone bugged him. How much more will the one true God, who is loving, who cares for you, who cares for me, will he answer their prayer requests? So the judge reluctantly answers the woman, but God loves to answer our requests. Now, Satan will say to you, no, he doesn't. You don't deserve it. You're not righteous enough. You bugged him too much. Where's your faith? Quit bugging God. No, God says, no, come back to me. Keep coming back to me and allow me through your prayers to eventually answer. Now, look at verse eight. I tell you, he will see that they get justice, God, and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What is he talking about? When the Son of Man comes. Well, when the Son of Man comes, well, that's end times things. Well, why, why would we need faith during end time things? Keep your finger there and turn with me to 2 Timothy, just for a moment. Remember I told you that sometimes when things get bad, in our own lives, 2 Timothy chapter 3, when, when times get bad in our own lives, we can lose faith. We can spend too much time looking at the circumstances and wondering if there really is a God and begin to think, well, where are you in all this? So Jesus says, oh, he will answer. But when the Son of Man comes, alluding to end time things, will there be faith? Will there be prayer? Will there be people that still think that God can answer prayer? Well, as I told you, we have a whole group of people, and they're small. I don't know how many there are, Christians, who believe that the world is going to get better and better and better and better, and eventually God's going to come back to a, to a world that we have changed and everything's going to be great. And then basically the end time stuff happens because we've been able to, through the gospel, change most people. Well, those individuals, well-meaning, they don't have a clue what the Bible says. Because look what Second Timothy chapter 3, look what's going to happen. And that's why I told you these kind of calamities and all this kind of stuff is going to get worse. Look at Second Timothy 3. But mark this. In other words, be aware of this. There will be terrible times in the last days. No, I don't know what these people do with that. 
going to get great in the last days. Everything's going to be perfect. We're going to win the world for Christ. Really? No, there'll be terrible times in the last days. And of course, the last days are all of the Christian times. I mean, ever since this was written. What would it be like? People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. So what is he saying? Well, he's saying this. In the end times, get ready for this deluge of evil. It's going to be all around us. Well, if that happens, what can happen to me? I can get a little discouraged. I can go like, wow, God, are you really coming back? What's going to happen? I mean, this is horrible. And so what Jesus says in this statement is, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Persistent prayer demonstrates faith. You see, if I continue to pray, That means I believe that God is still in control. He is powerful. He can do anything. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I still have to have faith. I have to believe. Think of Noah. 120 years Noah preached. No converts. For a pastor, that's like the nightmare you wake up with. (laughs) I mean, after one service, 120 years. And so his faith had to go back to the thing that God said, build the ark, build it. You trust me, don't look at the circumstances. See, you look at the circumstances and they're getting worse and worse and worse. Don't look at the circumstances. You look back to God and his promises. Yet he'll honor your faith. Now, this is a verse that's so pregnant with faith. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have of him. So what does that mean? It simply means this. There's some things I don't have confidence in because I don't know the will of God, so I seek the will of God. But people coming to Christ, I absolutely have full confidence that he wants everyone to come. How do I know that? Because the scripture says it's not his will that any perish. Now, will people perish? Absolutely. But it's not his will. So I can pray for my loved ones, and then I pray for our grandchildren at a young age. Come to know the Lord. You should be praying for your grandchildren. Cover them with prayer. They're going to be in a world that's way worse than the world we're in right now, if God tarries. But God's still powerful. So I can't lose faith. God's overcome. Remember, Jesus said in this world, you have trouble, but I've overcome the world. Don't be fearful. It's going to be all right. So I can have that faith. You don't have to write them all. Just write three things. God's timing, God's progress, and God's power. So if I have faith, and that's why he gave this parable to the disciples, because they were kind of many times weary and would just give up. They're looking at the circumstance. The Pharisees are going to get you. You're going to go to the cross, whatever. They, Man, what are we going to do, God? No, persistent praying involves three things. God's timing. There's always spiritual warfare. So don't get disgusted or grow weary when the answer doesn't come yet. 21 days for Daniel, Aldo and Peggy, 12 years. Some of you more than 12 years. Don't give up. That's the whole parable. Don't give up. Second, God's purposes. Why does prayer need to be persistent? 
notice what he's doing when it's persistent. When I go back to him, I'm not wavering. So when I'm not wavering, well, I'm growing spiritually. My faith is being tested. Remember, he isn't this God who just gives us everything on demand. We have this new TV thing. I don't have it, but I guess some of you guys have, but whatever. Just on demand. You just watch your things on demand, everything on demand. That's not the way God works. He's into the relationship. He wants you and I coming to him on a regular basis, and we don't see response, but we just say, God, I know you can do it. You promised you'd do it. I just keep praying to you. Now, you can't mix that with, God, I know you can save my son who's far away, and he's off in another state. Man, everything I hear about him is really bad. It's really going really bad, God. I know you can save it, God, but, you know, he's done 12 things in here. Let me list the things he's done for you, God. Don't do that. God knows those. All that does is tear your faith down. So you just believe. And, of course, that ongoing relationship is the key he wants. And last, God's power. Persistent prayer will show God's power. Prayer works. Prayer simply works. Quite often people come up to me, just like all those said, names of people were in that fish tank a year ago. And they come up and say, you know, it's been a year and two months or whatever. Somebody just got saved in the fish tank. Praise God. Those of you that weren't here before, we had this fish tank. We just put people's names in. We were praying for We prayed for them for a number of months and, of course, took the fish tank away. But many are still praying. By the way, does God remember whose name is in there? No problem for God. No Alzheimer's with God at all. Just one more. Push. Pray until something happens. Those of you that are pregnant moms, don't get excited with that. Wait till you leave here, please. But I want to read this story to you. True story. F.B. Meyer, a great Christian. While crossing the Atlantic on an ocean liner, F.B. Meyer was asked to address the passengers on the subject of answered prayer. An agnostic who was present at the service was asked, well, what did you think of Dr. Meyer's sermon? To which he replied, I didn't believe a word of it. Later in the afternoon, the agnostic, this is a true story, was on his way to another service just to hear, as he put it, what the babbler had to say. He put two oranges in his pocket, and as he walked toward the meeting place, he passed an elderly woman who was sitting in her chair fast asleep. In the spirit of fun, the man slipped those two oranges into her outstretched palms. After the meeting, he came back and he walked by the same area and he saw the lady happily eating one of the oranges. She had woken up. And he said to her, man, you seem to be enjoying those oranges, ma'am. She replied, yes, sir, my father is very good to me. He said, your father? She says, surely your father can't be alive. She was like 92 or whatever already. She exclaimed, praise God, he's very much alive. She then went on to explain to the agnostic. She said, you see, I've been seasick for days. And I've been asking God somehow, send me an orange to help my sickness. I suppose I fell asleep while I was praying. However, when I woke up, I found that he not only sent me one orange, but two. <laughs> That's a true story. You say, well, nice story. Here's the outcome. To the response, the agnostic was speechless. Later on the same cruise, he was converted to Christ and became a believer that God answers prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Now you want to tell me that God doesn't have a sense of humor. I mean, that's a Florida State thing, isn't it? Oranges, there they are. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark shared one of Jesus' parables. This parable was used to explain the importance of consistent, persistent prayer. You were reminded that unlike the unjust judge, God wants to hear your requests and answer them. Pastor Mark talked about the character building that comes from becoming the kind of Christ follower whose prayers get answered. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This brings us to the end of Pastor Mark's teaching, Persistent Prayer. Next time, he'll begin a brand new message called The Key to Answered Prayer. You'll find out the thing that God looks for most in his followers that puts them in a position to have their prayers answered. It's not a matter of completing a checklist, but of developing a relationship with God. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting